It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello everyone and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host Carmen Herbert and I'm so excited to have on the podcast today Jamie Holmes. So Jamie was born in St. George, Utah. She was the oldest of five children. She grew up singing and performing at a really young age, and her passion for music has taken her around the world. She's been to 44 out of the 50 states across the U.S. She's recorded for Sony and Warner Brothers Records and has been in countless musical theater productions. She's now married to Steve Holm, and they have four beautiful children, and they live in Lehigh, fellow Lehigh like me. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I am too. And usually we do like a little pre-podcast interview and ours ended up taking like an hour because I just wanted to talk to you about all the things. So hopefully we'll have more to talk about in this next 30 minutes of the podcast. Now, I have no doubt that we will because you are such a great conversationalist and have such an amazing, interesting life. And I was telling Jamie before she came on, the Utah like LDS singing circle is really small. And it's kind of amazing to me how we have not crossed paths before now. I know. It really is true. I, I don't know how we haven't bumped I know. into each other. I know. With something, with some, some performance or an event or something that we haven't met each other until now. So I'm so glad that now I can finally meet you and introduce I you know. to our, our Turtle House audience and how amazing you are. So for those of you who haven't heard Jamie's name or don't know who she is, she has an incredible company and, and she has an Instagram. It's called Minivan Moms and she sings with her sister like in the car, like these the most amazing songs. And you're like, is this amazing person? <laughs> in fact, my friend Chanel, she's the one that introduced me to you. And we were at a soccer game and she's like, have you heard of Jamie? And she's like, let me just pull up some of her songs. Oh my goodness. The most beautiful <laughs> I'm serious, incredible voice. Like you are amazing. So tell me about your singing, how old you were when you first got started and how that kind of led you, condensing it down, I know, into like yes. of your life <laughs> yeah. story to signing a record deal and recording for Sony and Warner Brothers Records. Well, yeah, I so grew up around music. Like we were kind of talking about before, my dad's a director. He was an actor, always doing creative things in the theater at a really young age. Our, one of my first memories is he was directing the Broadway touring version of Annie. Oh, wow. And I was probably four or five. I spent every single night backstage just with those girls singing the songs. I was convinced that I was going to be Molly. He kept promising. <laughs> <laughs> but just always from a very young age was around it and yes was around musical people and and all the cast parties and then playing the piano and singing and and just knew that it was something that I loved yeah um and then obviously having a sister just a couple years younger than me we would sing together and my dad would teach us harmonies in the backseat of the car and and it just kind of evolved from there you know so you know long story short we sang pretty much our whole lives were in performance groups, started group with two other sisters, which is funny. We were called the Love Notes. And we toured and, and competed and performed. And then 
eventually kind of broke off and just my sister and I started our own group and got a record deal. My sister was 17 and I was 19 at the time. That was their first record deal. And they still. Yep. Just babies. Just babies. We we lived in St. George. So we would travel to Vegas a lot because that was kind of the closest big city and and yes. would write songs and record there and and rehearse. And I remember just at 19, we would drive to Vegas probably three times a week just to rehearse and record and and do all the things. And then, yeah, it kind of evolved from there. And that was that was our biggest break, probably. That first record deal in New York, Sony Records, recorded a three-song EP for them. And at the time, I mean, you remember this, but this was like late 90s early 2000s and yeah r&b was the thing oh totally that was what was happening yes and luckily my sister's voice sounds like beyonce <laughs> literally <laughs> so and it was this it was this thing where we got a lot of attention because here she is this blonde-haired blue-eyed girl that could sing soulful bluesy gritty did not sound like we were from southern utah yeah, right. And so they had us, Sony Records had us in the studio with some of the biggest R&B producers at the time. And it was hard because we were just trying to figure out where we fit. Right. And I think when you're that age, and I'm sure you can relate, you have so many voices telling you what you should be, totally. how you should sound, how you should look. And yep. Me being 41 now, I look back on that like, oh, I wish I could just shake those two little girls and be like, that's not what you are. Do this. Do totally. What do what you always did. Do what you're passionate about, you know? And part of me is like what you said, you wouldn't do it any other way because we got to do so many cool things and amazing experiences and it led us to where we are now. But but there was definitely this this whole time where it was like, you're just kind of flailing. Like, what, yes. what am I? Who do you want me to be? (laughs) Totally, because you trust people that have been in the business and you're trying to make it. So you're trying to kind of a little bit mold to people's expectations or, you know, their their vision of who they think you should be. I can completely relate to it. And and after I was on American Idol, I did the same thing. I had an opportunity to go to L.A. or really stay in L.A. And same thing. They were like, do you want to do kind of like a pop or rock record and kind of, you know, go down that route? And I was like, sure. You know, they're like, we think you'd be great. But really, I'm like, no, I should never (laughs) have done that. But if people are telling you, we're willing to sign you if you do this. And, and I, and I didn't, I, I ended up meeting with them and then it didn't feel right. And I ended up going to Nashville. And then when I got there, I had written some songs and they're like, well, we'd like you to do these ones. And my whole album, I like co-wrote on some songs, but really it was songs that were given to me. And I look back in that and listen to that now. And I'm like, I would never have sung about some of those things. Like I never would have talked about that. Like that doesn't represent me as a person, but as a baby, yeah, 17, 19, 18 years old. Yeah. You don't, you don't know who you are and you don't know how to stand up for who you are either. So that's hard. But it's hard. Like you said, those those experiences, I, I wouldn't trade those incredible experiences yes. and learning opportunities to find out who I was. So how what was the moment where you were like, no, I don't want to do this? Did that come years later or was it kind of during this process that you thought, wait a minute, I don't know if this is who I want to present to the world? 
Yeah, I think it was an evolution for sure, you know, and we were, so we did that three song deal with, with Sony and then they kind of shelved us, which is funny because Alicia Keys was signed to Sony at that same time and they shelved her as well. And I think it's funny because you think, oh, you know, they find these artists and then they just blow up. No, there's so many artists that are just shelved. Totally. Amazing, talented people that you have never heard of that are just sitting there, you know, and luckily... Alicia got out of that deal, went to a new deal. And that was kind of the same time as us. So we were like, we need to get out of this deal. We need to get a new deal. Yeah. You know, so we kind of did that. We got out of the deal. Once they'd shelved you for so long, then you can kind of renegotiate, get out of it. We ended up finding a different deal and started to lean a little more pop, which I think it was better for us. It lent to our strengths and, you know, we had grown up dancing and, and so and that was the whole Britney Spears era and the NSYNC and all those things. And so, yep. so we did a, a new album and that's when we toured and we were with, we opened for B2K. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yes. I mean, they were the jams. They were the jams. So we, yeah. So we opened for B2K for, and that was the, it was, I think, 40 cities in the U.S. So it was a 40 city tour. It was a big deal. And it was so fun and it's so fun you start to get a little confused at exactly what you want to be because you're like i just love this i just love performing i like music you know yes and and i'm able to do it i mean we were we were performing in front of sold out audiences at madison square garden so it was it wasn't a time when you were like i mean i don't know if this is exactly what i want to (laughs) be because you're like i mean i'll take it i'll take it <laughs> sold out audiences, people yelling my name like on tour. Right. Yeah, this is what I want. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So I think there's some of that confusion mixed in with it. But we also always were like, we're not sure we totally fit here. <laughs> yes. We would literally be the only my sister is five ten. So if you know my sister, she's like this tall, beautiful, almost Swedish looking, blonde haired, blue eyed girl. And we would be in a sea of, you know, 30,000 yeah. very ethnic people. And we just That's stood out like a sore thumb. Totally. Like they would boo us off the stage <gasps> all the time. Until we started singing, which was kind of awesome in a way. Because the moment we started singing, they started accepting us. Like, oh, wait, they actually have talent. Okay. Oh, they're okay, talented. Okay, and they would get into it, which was really cool. But yeah. we had to win over that audience every single night. Oh my goodness! Um, I know. So we kind of we did that whole thing for quite a few years, and then in the back of our minds, it was kind of nagging at us, like we just were we're not fully R and B though. Like we just don't fit here, and yeah, we, we always knew that. Yeah, and so we really tried to get the record company to let us record this pop rock album and that's what we really wanted to do with some different producers and so we did end up getting to work with some amazing producers and kind of started down that route but then the whole thing like you're saying they they wanted our image to be a certain thing that we just weren't really willing to compromise and luckily we did have a great management group that really stuck by us and stuck by some of our decisions and we just were like you know what it started to kind of go down a road where that wasn't really what we wanted to do. And they wanted to yeah. control us creatively. We wanted to write. We were starting now to be in our 20s. 
and knowing ourselves a little bit more. Yes. And having and having that confidence, I guess, that yeah. we can make some of those decisions. Our voice. And yeah. So then we moved away and decided to drop that record deal and just hope that we were going to get a new record deal and we were going to write all the songs and we were going to be in charge this time. And like I was telling you before, tricky time because that was right when the internet was coming out. Yes. Napster was having their big lawsuit. There wasn't streaming yet, but people were downloading. Sam Goody was going under. Yes. CDs were in the stores, but everyone was kind of downloading, yes. burning and doing yep. all that. And yep. And so it was just such a funky time because I think the music industry was really struggling at that time because they were like, totally. how are we going to make money? What do we do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we kind of flailed around for a little while. And during that time, I think, especially me, because I was the older one, I really started to reprioritize some things in my life and just say, gosh, is this what I want forever though? And I think I was lucky looking back on it now, I was really lucky because I had all those experiences and yes. part of it filled my cup. Yes. That I was able to say, I don't know if this is what I want forever. I kind of want to be a mom. I do want to get married. I do. There's some other things that I, I really want to pursue in life. And I'm not sure that they can coexist at the moment, <laughs> you know, and, yep. and being kind of scared of where that would take me, but also a little excited about, I had done music pretty much my whole life. Yeah. That has been my major focus for yep. most of my life. And then, you know, I remember I was 24, was living in LA and thinking, I saw this mom and she was in a minivan and she had like this little boy get out and he had a soccer ball. And I'm like, I mean, I want to do that someday. That looks so fun. That seems like a whole life that I hadn't totally envisioned for myself, but knew yeah. I always wanted in the back of my mind. And so that was probably the moment that it started slowly evolving to, okay, I've been this person, I've done this, but how can I still maybe incorporate music in my life and do other things too? Yep. And okay. so it's a long journey. It's a long it's story, but. Long journey. <laughs> and so did you end up leaving LA to do that or did it kind of just naturally evolve that the record didn't turn out and, and you didn't, it, like, did it kind of naturally lead that way? Or did you make a conscious decision to break free and say, I'm done? I made a conscious decision to break free. And that was really hard for my sister and I at the time. I bet. We had done everything together. Yeah. And we were still in that mode of maybe trying to find another record deal. You know, that would have been record deal three at that point. And we had done yeah. pretty much three records at that yeah. point. And and I mean, the first record, the thing that was hard about it is like, we're out on stage being like, our album comes out October 24th, check Sam Goody or Tower Records or whatever. And then, yes, actually the record wasn't coming out October 24th. Well, how do you let anyone know? There's no social media. There's no internet. So then it was like, okay, now our album got pushed back to January. Okay. So then the next tour, we're like, okay, we did like a radio tour. Our album comes out January 12th, you know, and yes. it's kind of that thing where the marketing kind of got off and then the record never came out and the yep. people that saw us on tour never could find our record because we're worth right. it and they're like, like what are you talking about yeah yeah and then that <laughs> second album just kind of didn't go where we wanted so it didn't ever 
release. And then, yeah, then we're in LA and we're kind of recording new things with new producers, writing. And that's when I was like, I'm 24. I'm feeling burned out. I was ready to do some other things and kind of made that decision, told my sister and she wasn't quite ready to leave LA, yeah. which I was like, stay here. Like, you're so amazing. Yes. Do this on your own. I'm just ready to be done. Yep. And I think part of her was kind of starting to be ready to be done, but she also had a little more inner. Yeah. So she, she started, she was a demo singer in LA and recorded demos. I mean, producers would hire her every single second because she's just so phenomenal and very versatile and could do whatever. So she started demo singing and then she I don't know if you remember that cartoon it was called Bratz yeah like dolls yeah so she was so she was a singing voice on that and oh wow and it, I remember like going to Walmart and getting the doll and it was my sister's voice it's like you push the button and it was my sister's voice singing it oh, and so my God. had so much fun in LA after I left and got married and and did a bunch of different things and at one point almost had a, another record deal and I was just, I was pumped for her. I was like her biggest cheerleader because I was just so ready, I think, to move on. And yes. she was still kind of doing it. And so she did it for a few more years and then met her husband at UCLA. And and then kind of the same evolution of just like, okay, this can still be a part of me. But also, I think there's other things in life for me. So I, I'm so glad that you shared this story. And it really is so funny, Jamie. Like I could my life and yours and the decisions that you made are, I mean, so similar. It was the same thing. And I'm, I look back on my life and experiences, same thing. I toured, we did 48 cities in 65 days and American Idol and Nashville and recording and performing with Taylor. I mean, amazing things. And yet there was always something else of, but exactly like, is this what I want forever? This is what I wanted now. And what I wanted yeah. all my life growing up, but you know, I was then 19 and thinking yeah. and 20 and I'm like, is, is this what, what I want to do for the rest of my life? And like, well, I'll bring my family on tour. Like it's a family affair and they'll all do this yeah. with me. And this is what we do. And it's my life and it's my world. And I, I did an interview with Taylor Swift and I was interviewing her. That was like, like video, like vlogging was like just coming in like internet vlogs and like, and like interviewing people for the internet and you'd like watch it like right before YouTube went kind of crazy and you'd like put little videos on your website. And I interviewed her for my website. If you can even imagine that somewhere out there is this video and I want to find it somewhere is floating around. And, and we, we were doing an interview together and I said, so what does making it mean to you? And she's like oh, I would do anything to make it. Like it, this was right when like Teardrops on My Guitar came out and Tim McGraw was like just barely starting to get traction. And But but really, like we would rock, walk the red carpet and no one would call out her name. She's this beautiful, tall, amazing girl, but people didn't know who she was. And she was like, I will do anything. And I remember in that moment thinking, would I do anything to have this be the rest of my life? Like what am I willing to give up. And it was that, that was a turning point that I thought, I don't know if I'm willing to do or be anything for this. And I told my manager on April. So, and then I got married and my record label was so mad at me. And they're like, you will <laughs> never sell any records. If you get pregnant, you're done. 
And I'm like, so Faith Hill has babies. Martina has babies. Like everyone has babies. Like, why am I done having a family? And I'm like, I'm going to prove it. And so I called my manager on April Fool's Day to tell him I was pregnant as a joke. And he was so upset. And I, and I was actually. And my husband <laughs> and I, like we had been doing everything we could to prevent it. Like it was kind of a miracle. I'm like, what? Like I was in shock that I actually yeah. was pregnant. And, and I'm like, okay, but that's okay. And as soon as I had my baby, my record label dropped me. And then I had four boys in six years. I just boom, 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 boom. Everyone was a surprise. I didn't realize they were that close. Yes. Oh my None of them were planned. All of them were surprises. Like it just, it became my life. So, so, but, so I didn't, I made a decision kind of mentally, but, but still, I was still kind of in it. And then my record label was the one that said, sorry, you're a mom now. Okay. So we don't want you. And, and, and I, in a way, am grateful that that happened for me because the weight of a decision of, was that the right choice? It was kind of made up. It was kind of decided for me. And I was so grateful that I had the opportunity to do that when I was young before children and then got to be that mom in the minivan with yeah. the soccer balls rolling out of the doors <laughs> yeah. and, and have that. And, and honestly, like I thought a lot about this and I would love your opinion on what do you think it means to make it? I get cute young women coming up to me all the time and they're like, it is my dream to be a singer or be on American Idol or the voice or that's my dream. I just want to make it. And I've thought a lot about what that phrase means. What does it mean to make it? And it used to be selling out arenas and making millions of dollars and going on tour and being famous, like having a name that was making it. And yet I had it and wasn't completely fulfilled and, and never felt like I was, I ever really made it. I, I never really did. Like it was always, there was yeah. always something elusive out there of, well, but bigger and better and having my own tour now. And, and then I, I teach voice lessons now. And, and, and I know that you've, you have opened studios and, and you teach what you've taught voice lessons as well and done things. I had a concert a few, uh, like a month ago and watching my little 19 students get up and sing and perform their songs and watch them do something they love. I'm like, no, this is making it. Like, I have a family that I love. I'm able to help watch others develop their talents and be able to, to remain true to who I am and what I love. And, and this is making it. Like, family, faith, watching others pursue their talents, being a part of that. So what do you think it means to make it? And what, what advice would you give to someone that's like, oh, well, this is all I want. This is what I want to do. And, and, and how do I ever know if I'm really there and I've arrived? Yeah, I mean, I love what you said. I think that is such a tricky question. And I think making it means so many different things to different people. Because I think if you would have asked me at 16, it would have been similar to what you said. I mean, selling out arenas and having my face on a billboard and, yes. you know, all these things, Yep, having my face on a tour bus and, and, and that was my focus, right? That was just the end all. If we could do that, that would be it. But yep. the funny thing about music and, and stardom is you get that, but then it's the next thing. Yes. For instance, like we got signed and we got our face on a tour bus and then we got to sing at Madison Square Garden sold out. And then we got to do all these things. And, and so 
part of me wishes that I would have realized back then and that was making it. Like, yes, did it. Yes. How many people get that? You were right. Right. I mean, it's like 0.5% of all singers ever get to do it professionally or something. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I mean, it's just insane. And so we had a producer on American Idol when we were signing our contract after I had just made the top 10. And we had to sign like this massive contract about what we wouldn't would do after the show. And the producer pulled my mom aside because I was 17. And he said, do you realize the chances of your daughter having an opportunity like this? He said, there's a greater chance of being struck by lightning than getting a record deal or selling like than having this. He's like, it's yeah. minuscule. And and I don't think I really realized in my sweet 17 year old mind. No. Yeah. You can't comprehend it, you know? No. And And so my older self realizes how fortunate I was to have all those experiences and, and all those bucket list things checked off. I mean, who gets to do those? And now in my everyday life, I don't really talk about that anymore. And so sometimes I'm sure you feel the same. It feels like this. this It's its own life. life. It's its own life. It's it's like its its own world. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yes. And luckily I have my sister so we can remember things together and yeah, yes we right we were there that happened that really but, is that but like you're saying I think now my older 40 year old self would realize that there's just so much more to life than just that just those little moments and yes and I mean time has told us that right I mean you think about and I love now how there's all these podcasts and books on people because I'm like such a junkie for that stuff like oh yeah. I'm listening to that Matthew McConaughey book and I'm listening oh, yeah. to and isn't it so funny how every single one of their stories is the same they get that stardom they get all the things that they've ever wanted all the wealth and all the fame and then they're not happy yeah they're not fulfilled and I look at someone for instance so Britney Spears and and my sister and I had the same management so oh, wow. we, we had the same management. And so we, I mean, she's exactly my age. Like we literally came up together and I remember she just hit it big so quick, you know, like yep. it was like zero to 60. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, she's so lucky and that is so cool. And I can't believe that she's selling out arenas on her own, like by her own name. And, yep. and she just has it all. She has made it. She has everything. And then you look at the price that she's paid for that, for the fame, for like you're saying, like pretty much doing anything yeah. to get to that spot. And it's so many things. It's luck and it's the right place at the right time. And, you know, we all know those things, but she was kind of picked. I always think about that. Like there's these certain people that are just picked from yes. the universe. Like, yes. boom, you're the person. Yep. And would I trade my life for her life? Not in a single second. No, nope. never. And it it almost makes me sad for her in a way because I was right there with her, right alongside her, like backstage at some of her concerts. Like, go, Brittany, you're so awesome, you know? And and now just watching that, just the price that she's had to pay for all of that. It's just, that isn't worth it to me and never really was my priority. And I think this could probably relate to that. Completely. Never fully was my priority, even though sometimes I tricked myself. Yes. It was. Yes. (laughs) Yep. But it, it wasn't, it never was, you know? And now, like you're saying, I'm, I'm so lucky. I'm so fulfilled. I have music in my life 
in any form, any way that I can morph it and evolve it and make it work into my life. I have a husband, I have a family, I have so many creative outlets that I've created because that's just who I am and, yes. to, you know, do all the things. And, and I feel so genuinely fulfilled. And I think like, yes. that's making it. That's, that's making it. That's what everybody wants. Even these really famous people want that. That's what they, they wish want. they had that. And that's what, honestly, it, it's so funny. Like, honestly, your story, Jamie, the more you talk, I'm like this, I relate completely because mine was with Taylor Swift. Same thing. Yes. And uh, watching her and she's still single and doesn't have a family. And she did an interview a while back talking about how lonely she was. She's like, fame is so lonely. You get the fake people that I love you. I like the freak fans that are just insane. But who do you go home to at night? Nobody. Her cats. And yeah. would I have traded that? And it, never, like you said, yeah. like never. There's uh, having my family and my husband and what I have now. And, and I'm so grateful that I've learned that. And, and that's what why when people say, I want to do this, I want to pursue this. And I'm like, go for your dreams, like pursue your talents, but not at the expense of who you are and a family mm -hmm. and your values and what you hold dear because it it isn't worth it. It's like, it, it's this empty thing that looks amazing and wonderful. And, and, and music, it, I mean, I think about like the greatest showman, there's so many incredible things that bless people's lives. Like just music is incredible, but, but at what, at what price do you pay to get that right. for yourself? And, and, yeah. and just, it's not. And if you're it. just a really one dimensional person and that's yeah. all you need to be fulfilled, then more power to you. But the reality is we're such complex humans and we need so much more than just yes. seeing. And I think when, when you're younger, you can't possibly know that because it's one thing. It's all you yes. want. Did. You happy. Yes. And, but then, you know, becoming an adult and realizing how many things you actually need in your life to make you feel fulfilled. Yes. Yes. And, and what, and what those are and, and, and just the, it's, it really is the little simple things like, family and friends and faith that are fulfilling. It truly is. So what advice would you give? You say now I've, I pursued other things and, and you're so multifaceted. You have amazing creative outlets. And I'd love to talk about what some of those things are. So what would you tell someone that maybe has had a career or has had something and it maybe didn't work out like they thought? How do you go about finding the other parts of yourself and discovering other talents that are maybe that have been just you know, inside of you waiting to bud and burst out. How do you go about finding that and still still finding fulfillment and happiness in your life if maybe your life didn't turn out that one way you thought it would? I mean, I think we are so lucky to live in a day and age with social media and all these different outlets. And I know that there's obviously some really hard things that come that we don't like about social media and we don't like about the internet, but there's also these really great things, especially as women that come from these things. I think it's been fascinating to watch just all these influencers and then even the evolution of Etsy and just these creative people that yes. have been able to explore what they're passionate about and put it online and sell it. Right. Like it's baby clothes or jewelry or they're really talented at graphic art or, you know, I mean, there's just so many opportunities and avenues that you can 
pursue and yes. you can, I, I love that. I think that's one of the most amazing things that's come in the last 10 years. And also just that we can all, as women, support each other in that. I don't think, one thing I love about what my mom taught me is she's never stopped growing as a person. She's never stopped evolving as a person. She's done so many different little jobs and things. She's very creative. And and I always watched her do those things. And she, it was never like, oh, I'm too old now and I can't do it. Yes. You know, it's like, right. just because we're a mom doesn't mean we put everything on the back burner and we can't do anything anymore. There's always time for it. And that makes your life more fulfilled if you're... Yeah doing those things even though like we talked about you have to prioritize sometimes and you don't have as much time as you would like to spend yes. on some of these creative outlets but but never stop learning about yourself never stop asking yourself the question what makes me tick you know what what gives me that joy in life and I think I saw that from my mom and that's really helped me especially in motherhood because motherhood can be really lonely if yes. you don't have other outlets and and so I've always had music. I've had, you know, interior design. That's something that I've loved. And I've kind of translated that into party planning because I was doing so many parties for my kids. And then people started asking me to do parties for their kids. And and so I've kind of, you know, dipped my toes in a little bit of that. And 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 like, you know, we talked about I've always taught voice and I've always I've I've had a studio at one point and and sometimes it's just as little as, you know, I'm still like singing in church or leading the yeah. choir or whatever it is. But these these little things that are yours that you you continue to develop because you're never done. Yeah, makes sense. Yes. And I and I completely agree that it's I don't know why we put an age on development or talents. It's like, oh, you're in your 30s. Sorry. I'm like, but yeah. there's I'm like 50 more years of things that I know I do want to do. But it's like, it's like you think, well, if I'm not young and, and my face isn't as marketable or my body isn't as marketable, that somehow that makes me less valuable. And I love that there is this movement to be, no, you can be who you are, however old, whatever you look like and share your gifts with the world. And that's really where doing good started is what are these like everyday amazing people that have maybe had these incredible unique lives or just everyday moms or dads that are out there just doing good and making a difference and being an influence in their sphere and making the world a better place with the talents that they've been given and not giving up on them either saying, no, I still have something to offer those around me. I love that so much. And I also feel like that's so great for our children to see us doing. Yes then they're able to do that in their lives and feel fulfilled like we're talking about well into their, you know, 80s or whatever yes. it is, 90s even. Yes. And I I think that's, it's honestly so cool that that's kind of a thing in the past where you kind of stop, you know, you don't stop anymore. You just keep going and you keep, keep going. I mean, I think about, I want to go back to school for something not even related that I've ever done. Like, Art history. What would I do with that degree? I have no idea. But like, I love art history. Well, you Can I learn a little about that and become, you know, this expert on art history? I mean, that's what's so cool about online learning now. I and mean, it's just so endless, all the yes. opportunities that we have. It's I love that. And I think you should. I think you should go back to school and pursue. Art history was one of my very favorite classes in high school. I loved it so Me much. Too. 
I just need to find the time. I know. (laughs) And like you said, like seasons of life and there will be a time. And yep, my son's first grade teacher went on a hiatus for like three months. It was kind of a crazy situation. And I ended up helping fill in for his class for weeks at a time and was a volunteer. And then I ended up registering and becoming a substitute teacher. And I'm like, never in my 17 year old mind would I think I would go from like singing on stage to like being a substitute (laughs) first grade teacher. And I loved it. So I'm like, I might someday want to be a music teacher in an elementary school or do something like that. And it's so funny. And I'm like, but it never would I have thought I would have wanted that or pursued it or it it was just this weird situation that ended up working out that opened another opportunity. So I, I love what you said about never stop growing, never stop looking for things. And even if you're like, that's weird. Like why would I ever, or maybe I want to do be an esthetician and do nails. Ah, but I don't know. Why not? Like, why Why not? not? There's no limit. There's There's no limit. Which is pretty cool. So my last question for you, and thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today, is what do you want your children to, what example do you want to set for them about doing good in the lives of others? How, how do you want to be that example for them of ways they can look for and be the good or do good to those around them? I mean, I think really just a lot of what we said, I think one thing that my mom always did was she first of all one of the one of the lessons that i'm very grateful for is she always celebrated my individual talents regardless separate from my sister or my brother or whoever it was i know you had kind of mentioned like were you competitive and i think one of the gifts that she gave me was to always be confident in my individual contribution to the world, my talent, whatever it is. And, and I think as I watch my kids grow, I focus so much on that. What are their individual talents that they no. can contribute to the world? Yes. Because when you feel confident in that and you are passionate about what you bring to the table, your life is so much happier. And I yes. think you you are able to do good in the world a lot easier because you're not worried about comparison. Yes. You're not worried about what she has that I don't or what I'm not doing good enough. You're just really grounded and confident in what you can do and that that's enough. And so, I don't know. I think just going back to your question, what I would want for my kids is for them to be confident in what they bring to the table. And, and hopefully I'm here to advocate for them and, and help them develop those talents and those interests and those passions yes. that they can do good in the world and, and they can feel confident and, and, and not threatened or, yes. you know, insecure because I think there's so much of that in the world right now. And it's so easy to, to be little people or, you know, Oh, yes. well, I'm better than you or this or that. But, but when you've, when you've grown up feeling confident at something that you can contribute and it's your own thing, I think that's what it's all about. I'm so glad that you shared that. And what an amazing mom to teach that to you 
that you have a significant individual and unique contribution that that no one else can make. And, and sometimes even I still get into the trap of thinking that space is filled. It, it, yeah. there, someone already is that blonde country singer. Someone already is that first grade teacher. Someone already is. And that I think is one of the biggest lies is that there's not room for us. And there's always room. There's always room. It's there. There's space and room enough for everyone because we are all different and unique. We will all bring something different and unique to the table and not to feel like, well, what do I really have to give? I think that's, that is something that I think is incredible to teach your children. And what I want my kids to know is there's room and space for you. You are needed. It's not too full. You are needed. There is room for everyone. And it's funny because throughout my life, I'm sure you felt this, but there's been so many naysayers and like, oh, well, you're not yes. good. Or how did you yes. get this? And, yes. and the funny thing is, is I would always say, you're probably just as good. Why aren't, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. The only difference between me and you is I'm doing it. Yep. That's it. Yep. You know? And so don't let that voice in your head stop you from doing it. Yes. Realize that your con- contribution is enough and, and there is room for you. There's room for everyone. Yep. And so... Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, we could just talk forever. Seriously. I'm like, let's just like, just keep diving deep and talk. No, honestly, I, I love this conversation with you. I loved getting to know you a little bit more. I loved your insights on, on, and just your positive attitude of like, I I can just tell that you have an attitude of gratitude and, and so grateful for where your life has taken you. So grateful for where your life is now. And that in and of itself spreads goodness to those around you, just being a happy, positive, grateful person. And I'm sure that those are characteristics that your children are going to pass on into their own homes in the future. <laughs> I <sure laughs> hope so. That's, I know. That's the hope. That's the hope. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and for all the good you are doing. 